Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash figure out your life. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, and Kindle. Now let's get to the show. Welcome back to Figure Out Your Life podcast, where we try to find the answers to life's problems. I'm your host, Toya T, yo sis from another mister, <laughs> your girlfriend here through thick and thin, you know, TH, well, I'm, I can't even spell today, THD, what the hell is a THD? Toya T with the PhD. Uh, welcome back, everybody. I'm happy to be back I know we're a little bit of a day late but if you've been following me you know that I have been traveling um pretty much for the last week so last weekend not last weekend but the weekend before this I was in Montreal I came back I was home Monday Tuesday Wednesday and then Thursday I flew out uh Thursday morning I flew out to Memphis and I was there until Sunday and didn't get back till Sunday afternoon I had a great time but of course it took up so much of my energy, um, as much as I would love to be a travel blogger or vlogger, uh, I learned one, just from my recent travels, and two from the um, the travel conference that I went to in Memphis. That I don't know if I'm built for this life. Like it's tiring. Traveling can be tiring on you, even if you get you know a good snore sleep on the plane. Your body is still tired from having to sit up straight, unless you're lucky and you have like you're on one of those planes where they they fold down the the seat for you and it becomes a bed I think that's the only way you can get actual good sleep on a plane you're only just getting some rest when you're sitting upright uh and especially in the case of how I was traveling since I got my tickets to Memphis through my Delta miles I didn't have much of a say on my seat assignment and so I only had a window seat out of for two of my flights I had um had a flight had a connecting flight from Atlanta, uh, both ways. And so, um, but for the majority of my trip, I was sitting in a middle seat, particularly on the longer flight. So my flights from Atlanta to Boston, which is two and a half hours, I was in a middle seat going down and coming back up. And you can imagine how uncomfortable that is. I was just praying that the person at the window seats that where I was sitting would not want to get up. That's the great thing about early morning flights is that most of the time these people are knocked out asleep and they're not going to, you know, say, excuse me while I'm trying to like, while I'm knocked out or trying to get some rest. Uh, to ask me to get up so they can go to the bathroom. So none of that happened. That was great. But it still was very uncomfortable trying to keep myself between two people. And of course, you know, you got the the infamous like sleep nod when you like got your pillow around your neck and then you just your head just bobs down and you wake up. (laughs) That happened to me many times. And so I took Monday when I should have been recording. I should have recorded on Sunday. Look at me using the word should already. When I usually, let me say that, when I, I usually tried to record on a Saturday or Sunday. I thought I could possibly record while I was traveling, but that wasn't happening. I was so busy. It was a lot of stuff to do in Memphis. I really enjoyed my time there. But um, I thought that I would be able to record on Monday because that's usually if I don't get recording done on the weekends, I get up early and record on the Monday morning. But I was so exhausted from just traveling for what feels like an entire week. I didn't have much time at home that 
I pretty much just did errands yesterday, like early morning errands, took a walk, put some stuff in the mail that I need to send out and then came home and just vegged out, like completely vegged out. And I'm looking at my list of things to do, including recording my podcast. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then I took an edible and I went to sleep. (laughs) So that is why we're, um, that's why this episode is coming out on Tuesday. Promise you I, for October, one of my goals is to be consistent with my posting. So one is to be consistent with my posting and two is to uh, start my email newsletter for for this podcast and my blog. I have been meaning to do so and just trying to figure out the best way to do it. And I am going to work on it this week. I'm just going to say that I'm going to work on it this week. Those are my goals for October. Keep me, uh, um, keep me accountable people. So as I said before, I went to Memphis and it was my first time in uh, the River City in Tennessee, just period. And uh, I was there from Thursday. So I got there Thursday afternoon and I left early Sunday morning. And the first night I was there pretty much by myself, except for one of my friends, Greg, if you're listening. Hey, boo. Uh, he is a flight attendant for American Airlines and uh, he happened to have had a flight to Memphis. So he was there for the Thursday to the Friday. So I was like, perfect. We can meet up. I haven't seen him in a while. And so we met up on the famous, I guess, Beale Street and not the Beale Street from, from, um, oh my gosh, from James Baldwin's, uh, from James Baldwin. If Beale Street could talk, it's not, it's not that one. It's not that one. I don't think so. I think that one was very much, you know, in New York, but, um, the Beale Street of, of Memphis, we met down there, went to Wet Willie's, nothing was popping there. Oh, wet willies. Uh, and then ended up going to one of the, I guess, more well-known, most recommended barbecue places on there. Because out of the things that I knew that I was coming to Memphis for and what Memphis is known for, I knew that Memphis was known for barbecue, especially their, like their special Memphis dry rub. So I was like, I'm going to give me some barbecue every fucking day. Um, so we went to Blue City Cafe. If anyone's from Memphis, please let me know if that is a popping spot because I went there twice. It was cool. Food was affordable. The food came out quickly once you got your order in. Um, But we had a good old time. I had so much food on my damn fucking plate. I was just like, wow, they really um, know how to give quick service on food. And they really do love to put barbecue on everything. The first time I was there, I had the half rack of ribs that came with baked beans, coleslaw, fries and Texas toast. And I was like, who the fuck is supposed to eat all this? did not I was not able to finish all of it and then the second time I went there which was the next day I had lunch there and I got some cheese fries with shredded pork on top which just pretty much was barbecue pork shredded barbecue pork on top of fries and I definitely could not eat that whole thing it was underneath appetizer but that shit should have just said meal because it was huge um and if you follow me on Instagram at L-I-T-O-Y-A-T, <laughs> uh, you would have seen um some of my plates from from Memphis. And I think that I'm probably also going to, uh, you know, put up like a Beyonce esque, like just drop of my, my media, like my pictures and my videos from Memphis on my blog. I just need to do it obviously, but I had a great time. I, on the Friday, um, the rest of my friends came. So my best friend, Aisha court, who you have met before on this podcast, if you haven't go back to the episodes on how to start a business and how to learn a second language. She is Dr. Aisha court. Um, she's the reason I went down to Memphis because she was presenting a workshop on how to learn a second, a second language for travel at the travel conference at audacity fest, which is part of the nomadness, um, 
travel tribe. If you don't know about them, just go on Instagram. You just look up Nomadness Tribe and you'll find them, Nomadness Travel. Um, it's a, a pretty popular um, black travel group that, uh, that you know, does uh, group trips, does this um, this uh, this uh uh, <laughs> this festival, um, this is this was their second year doing it, and they also, um, I guess, I have a lot of like their Facebook group has a lot of good tips on there, so it's a good place to check out or to just go to the Instagram page and look at different um, travels that people have done, people of color, so you can understand where to go, where not to go, what to do, what not to do. But anyway, she and her sister came on the Friday, and so um, that was cool. Uh, we all kind of had our own kind of plans of what to do that day because the festival wasn't until the Saturday. So on um, the Friday, I took the time after we went to lunch again at Blue City Cafe because I didn't know where else to go. <laughs> I was like, let's go to Blue City Cafe. Um, after ha- after all that, I was like, you know what? I really need to go to the Civil Rights Museum because the National Civil Rights Museum is in Memphis, which I only found out when right before I was going and when people were telling me things to do in Memphis. And I didn't realize, I mean, as much as I um, will tell you that I, you know, at least have a PhD in like black history or Africana studies or just, you know, blackness, race in general, like there's certain details that, you know, just escape you. I'm not a civil rights expert. I'm not an African-American history expert. I just, well, either way, just saying that I didn't realize that that was where Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, was in Memphis at the Lorraine Hotel, Motel, um, which I, like everyone, I've seen the pictures of, you know, when he was standing on the balcony and after he got shot and everyone was pointing in the direction of where the shots came from. I've seen those pictures, but had no idea that that was in Memphis. I had no idea that they turned that motel into a, a National Civil Rights Museum. Awesome. I went there um, just, uh, it was two hours before they ended. I, you know, took in everything um, as someone who, actually has done the study some of it was kind of redundant so I didn't have to read everything but for the 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 artifacts that they had I definitely made sure to go look at the artifacts because that's something that you cannot read from a book you can't you can't like you have to be able to see some of these things up close and see what kind of collections of artifacts that these different museums had so was able to kind of go through the whole museum it pretty much starts from slavery it goes all up until um, I wouldn't say present day, but it went all the way up to, I think, the black power movement because, you know, it's very much central around the civil rights movement. So it went all up until the 70s and um, it was just pretty powerful. I, I should probably, um, I don't know, maybe I'll wait till Black History Month is probably the most effective time to be, you know, dropping a whole bunch of black history uh, lessons. But uh, one thing that really caught me off guard was that so there's different people that go to this museum. It's a, you know, it's one of the big draws of Memphis. If you're there, you have to go see this. So I'm walking through the part that gets to segregation, right? So we're it's going chronologically from slavery all the way, you know, through. So I get to the part where it's Jim Crow and segregation and start talking about that. And I hear this big ruckus. <laughs> and I go into the room and this white lady, she looks like she's probably, mm, let's say in her 50s. I will give her that. I didn't really look because I was like, I am here to learn to take this in I'm not here to preach I'm not here to teach because ain't nobody paying me for it so uh, and this is a museum it, it that is, you paid you paid your money you paid your $17 to get in to be taught by the museum information but this lady was arguing with this black woman who seemed to also be around the same age 
about segregation and how she didn't think it was that bad and how things have definitely improved. And she kept yelling about how she's from a town in Indiana that only had one high school and everybody was kind of experiencing the same stuff. And it wasn't that I was like, oh, my gosh, let me I just I just was tr- I turn my I turn try to turn my ears off and I definitely turned off my instinct, my just inclination to want to teach people. I was like, uh-uh, not today, because, again, I paid to be here. <laughs> I'm not being paid to be here to teach you know, ignorant people who don't want to listen. So, but I think the black lady was really holding her own. She was very calm. Um, and I think it would come better from someone who seems like, you know, from the same generation and trying to explain to her, like, you know, like, you know, after segregation, after they desegregated schools, like it still wasn't even, it still wasn't equal. There's still, you know, lots of disparities between black and white people in this country. And the lady was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she kept coming back to the fact that she had one high school in Indiana. And then she mentioned, this is when I had to leave the room when she started saying, well, with the black president that we have, and I said, well, is Trump black? Because the last time I checked, he's president. President Barack Obama was president before him and he left office at the beginning of 2017. So um, bringing up Barack Obama is not the best time for you to do this, especially since we have seen an increase in like white nationalism, um, white pride, white pride parades and like, you know, protests, uh, lots of uh, terrorism, like domestic terrorism. Like we've seen a lot of stuff like just, you know, anti-immigrant and sentiments, just a lot of anti-blackness, continuing shootings of, of uh, unarmed black people. Like, come on, lady, you cannot be blind. So I just was like, let me get the fuck out of there. But besides that, I had a very just interesting time at the museum, especially when I got to the part where they had the room, the exact rooms that um, him and um, Dr. Luther King Jr. stayed in and uh, with his entourage so, um, room, I think 306 and 307 and standing between those two rooms and looking at how they reenacted it. Like they pretty much just like you have to have the old time TV. The bathroom was still the same. The bed, you know, like, you know, cigarette ashtrays, like really just um, just reinterpreted what it looked like. Um, re, you know, and it was just like that was when I felt the tears like I was like oh my gosh my eyes the pressure behind my eyes to, to keep myself from crying was really really like really heavy because um, it was just really emotional to think like th- this is where he spent his last moments and then they explained to you like you know how he was in such a great jo- jovial mood he told somebody before he was going to this um, march to speak uh, for the uh, sanitation workers strike And if you're not familiar with that, that is the if you've ever seen the iconic images of I am a man, you know, the black men were walking in their suits and they have like a a billboard sandwich board. That's what it is. A sandwich board on the front of them saying I am a man. They have the 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 little um, signs to say I am a man. That is what that's from. So he was there to speak on that. And he was telling someone I forgot him. I'm again, I I was trying to take it all in and try to not cry and try to get to the other side because it was almost the, the it was like 430 and they closed at five. So I wanted to get to the other part of the museum before they closed. But um, it was just really emotional because he they started talking about how he told somebody like, you know, sing Precious Lord. Like, I love I love when you sing it. Can you sing it there? It just, it just bring great joy to people there. And I'm just like this. I, I just could not imagine like he walked out and was shot dead. Like, you know, like by such, like just a hateful, ignorant person. Um, and, you know, I just I was really appreciative of being able to be in that spot and to take that in and take in that history and to know what was sacrificed for me to be able to even be in Memphis. Um, 
you know, traveling freely, walking around freely, having this podcast, not, you know, having, you know, the being able to get the degree that I was able to get to be able to go to the schools I was able to go to and just walk around, even though it's not perfect, but still have more rights than he had um, and he was fighting for and risked his and, and lost his life for um, was just very impactful. So went through that. They also have a connection to the other side. If you've never, I'm just telling you, you really got to go to this museum. I didn't know that how much I needed to go, but it was just really great to go. But uh, across the street, they also bought the boarding house where his um, killer (laughs) stayed in and was um, that, you know, where he shot, um, where he shot him from. So you can go through a tunnel and go to that other side and see exactly, you know, more information. It continues the civil rights history um through that part of it which i think is you know ironic history like yeah you thought that you was just you know championing and hate and the place that you pick uh to be this champion of hate has turned into this place of information and celebration of this man that you that you killed out of hate and ignorance um so you know went through there it, it's a little bit it's less it has less information in that second part than it does in the first part but I was just happy that I was able to go through that and do it. And I highly suggest if you go to Memphis that you do that. Uh, the next day I was there for Audacity Fest, got to really, first of all, Aisha, Dr. Aisha Z Court was amazing at this workshop. I have some videos. I probably will post at least a clip of it so you can see her in action because you should really sign up. If you want to learn uh, Spanish as a second language, you want to be conversationally fluent in four weeks, you definitely should sign up for her her course, which is Hey Dr. Court at HeyDrCourt.com. Or go one of her trips like I'm going to in 10 days, um, going to Tulum with her and the group of people that she has um, she has is a part of her program as in, you know, cultural immersion, Spanish immersion, language immersion. Uh, I will be there in 10 days in Tulum uh, for her Viva La Lingua uh, trip to um, to Tulum. And there's plenty more she has. She has to Barcelona and later in the year um, and also to Havana. Cuba so if you're interested definitely go and look her up I'll put her information in the show notes just to make it easy for you but she did a great job got to see other people talking about traveling as a person of color including travel writing you know becoming a travel blogger uh, travel um, about uh, you know going to Burning Man as a black person about medical tourism it just really was just really informative there was a lot of just good vibes in the room Um, It was a whole it was on Beale Street Landing if you're from Memphis. So that's where it was right near the water. Just great stuff. And if you want to see a picture of me and Dr. Aisha Court and her sister, you should go to my Instagram again at Little AT and you'll see a picture from that. But that's enough about that. Let's get into what the actual topic of the um, of the show is. And um, (laughs) Yeah, I was going to talk about the impeachment inquiry and talk about how that's linked to white mediocrity, but I feel like I could go on a whole hour on that. So maybe I'll save that for another time. Let me know if you want to hear me talking about this, if you want to hear me uh, figure out this impeachment inquiry and how um, the fact that it took them so long, especially the Democratic leaders. I'm looking at Nancy Pelosi uh, as much as she wants to be a champion, as much as people want to say the Democratic Party is like, you know, the um, you know progressive party like they're still. Uh, it's it's still pretty much run by just meaty like like oh my gosh it's really it's really run by people who uh, don't know how to fucking walk 
the talk that they're talking. If you're saying that you are, you know, you know, progressive and you're for people and you're about, you know, making sure that the country runs the way it's supposed to, that you're about democracy, then you should have freaking put this impeachment inquiry in since day one. But you didn't. You waited and wanted to be like, you know, someone that can attract, you know, independent voters and possibly liberal Republicans over and you want to be in the middle of the road. And it's like, no, um, Maybe you have that luxury because you're a white person and you can stand on the, the sidelines um, or stand in the middle and try to say, well, I'm, I'm for everybody uh, and not have any issues to your actual real life. But for people of color, we we haven't had that that opportunity or that that chance, that that privilege of being able to just be, you know, wishy washy on a topic. We have to actually be very firm in our standings. And we all know that. um that uh, Representative Ayanna, Ayanna Presley and um, and forgive me, I'm going to forget all their names. And uh, of course, Alexandria Ocasio, Ocasio-Cortez um, and the other two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, the other two representatives from the Midwest. Um, that's a part of the, like the women of color, new uh, congresswoman uh, crew. Uh, they've been pushing for that since they got sworn in. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi was like, oh, you guys don't know how things work. And it's like, bitch, like, do you know how things work? Because um, you definitely was around when there was segregation in Jim Crow. So you were able to live on that other side. Um, and you are still like like you are standing. You are standing in the in the way of progress. So happy that she finally got the kick in the ass to do so. But I'm not applauding her for finally doing what she fucking should have done. They should have replaced Nancy Pelosi when they um, in, in um, when they sworn in the new Congress. It would have been a good time for there to be a change of guard. We need younger blood. We need people who aren't scared, who stay woke. Um, and she's definitely not one of them. And as uh, if, again, I'm going to say this, and y'all know who I am. Um, I really don't trust white women that I don't know. So um, I don't know this Nancy Pelosi person. I don't know her in person. And she hasn't shown me uh, through her actions that she's someone that I can trust. And so that's how I kind of gauge things. Like if, even for my, my, my skin folk, like is the same thing, but I still have a kind of like, I got my one eye open. My one, I got my good eye. Actually not one. Eye, I got two eyes open at white women because they very much, you know, came and voted for Trump. They put us in this situation. They voted for Trump and couldn't even consider voting for someone within their own identity. They couldn't even vote for another white woman. That is crazy to me. Uh, and the fact that they would vote for someone who said grab him by the pussy and is a very much a misogynist and a sexist and like a sexual predator, like crazy, crazy. And so I need them to show and prove. And so if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that you show and improve. And so, hey. But, um, yeah, get your get your mamas and your and your aunties and your grandmas together, because um, I'm not applauding people for doing what they're supposed to fucking do. Let's get this motherfucker out of here, although it seems like it's too late because he's getting way too close to the end of his term. And before you know it, like he's just going to use this as fodder for being reelected. Like they're hunting me. They're, they're doing this to me. And he's going to pull out that freaking white male fragility and start crying because, I mean, white men don't cry. The white women pull out the white tears. Um, but he's going to sit there and pout and oh, oh, it's a witch hunt and they're coming after me. And all those freaking people who feel who who feel, um, you know, disenfranchised by the rise of uh, minority groups and women working, people taking their jobs and they ain't got good health care, no jobs. Or, um, they're definitely going to come out in droves. So we it's just I feel like it's a little bit too late to do it. But I mean, again, 
it's never too late for change. And shit, if we if we get Mike Pence for like two seconds, <laughs> and that allow that means that he's the only person that's allowed to run for president, and Trump can't, that'd be great. But again, the Congress can can impeach him, but the Senate has to actually approve it, and they it's run by the Republicans, and they very much could just decide not to do that because they've they've shown that they have no they just don't want to take action against this dude because they want to keep his freaking votes um so yeah whatever but anyway let's get into the topic of today so (laughs) 23 minutes and we're getting to the topic of the day so the topic of this episode as you should have seen already is figuring out shadology and i'm putting in parentheses how to move past expectations to accomplish your goals your life goals uh, this is really inspired by um, one, how I was feeling the last couple of days <laughs> and two, uh, from an article. Again, I like to pull my stuff from, you know, what's written out there, what seems to be a topic of conversation. And I took this one from an article from 2190, which is a part of the Blavity brand. I will put, of course, in the show notes, the link to the uh, the article that I am pulling this from. I, I really just was inspired by some of the things they started off with, but not I'm not really following the article because it gets into it 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 seems to be more relationship um it seems to focus more on the should as the shouldology of relationships and not necessarily about goals like life goals so whatever but uh where does this come from so uh, there are a lot of things that i think should be a certain way (laughs) in my life um which is has caused me to shut down that's why i shut down on monday i just had to shut down like I just had a lot of time to think about where am I going? What am I doing with my life? Like the podcast, thank you everyone for listening, is doing very well. I hit 300 downloads last um, for, the, for the month of September, which is almost, if I had posted, I think, if I had posted on Monday and some of you had listened uh, to that podcast, <laughs> I would have had, I would have reached a hundred plus more. I, I can take it. I know I would have, um, if, if for the month, because I had 219 downloads in August and 313 downloads in September, which means I am halfway to a thousand downloads. Thank you everyone. But that just shows when I put the work in, like, you know, you, you see results and I was starting to feel that way about other aspects of my life that I'm working on one, including my career to my romantic relationships. Um, and three, just my life in general. But uh, there's a lot of things that I really think should be a certain way. I feel like I should have a high paying job because I did spend a gazillion years in 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 school, like a gazillion years in school from preschool all the way straight up through getting a PhD. I was in school for a gazillion years. I have one of the most elite degrees out there. There's only like about like one or 2% of people in this world that have PhDs and you cut it down to people of color gets even smaller. Um, But, you know, I feel like, and this is something that I also hear from my mom, like you have a PhD and you, you know, people who work for me who don't have PhDs make way money than you do. They make like six figures, like on the minimum and they don't have PhDs. And I'm like, you know, I take that in like, oh gosh, like you're right. I should have a high paying job with a, with a freaking PhD and a doctor in the front of my name. Um, I should be in a loving romantic relationship. I'm 36 years old. Like, you know, I went to a wedding at the beginning of September. I went to my cousin's wedding who's younger than me. She's not even 30 yet uh, in, um, in July. And, you know, you see your friends like, you know, popping out babies or, or gestating babies. And, um, 
you know, two people right now who are just dating babies. <laughs> and, you know, you feel like you're behind the curve, not saying that I'm ready for it, but it kind of feels like you should be somewhere getting close to that. When you look around um, that, you know, I should be in a relationship, I should be getting ready to have babies. Like, don't think like my biological clock is ticking. And I see all these babies on Instagram. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I want one so badly. They're so cute. And then I remember how much they cost, and how much they affect your sleep and other parts of your life. And I'm like, mm. I'm gonna say thank you to my mommy friends who keep it real because um, you will pop that bubble real quick. Like, yeah, this is why um, it takes 10 months to make a baby because they're giving you 10 months to get ready to, for your whole life to change. Uh, also, um, you know, I also feel like I should be 50 pounds lighter. <laughs> we all know that I've been struggling with my weight. And going to Memphis did not help that, man. Woo, I ate some biscuits, some fried chicken, some, you know, some chicken and waffles, some barbecue back, you know, pork ribs you know shredded pork had tons of drinks um and I just felt bloated <laughs> by the time by the end of Saturday I felt bloated okay um but these are all shoulda woulda couldas I uh, should not even shoulda woulda coulda shouldas this is part of the shitology and it's really is this idea of like there is a mentality that we have that we feel that we should be somewhere and it's like where did this come from so I'm trying to think of where does this come from? And this is something that wasn't explained in the article. So that's why I said I'm like diverging away from it. But um, it was a good idea to set me, set me off. But where should I, where did I get this from? Well, I know I got some of this from my mother. I, I mean, like I hate to make her seem like the blame of things, but she raised me for the most part. And I already told you she makes, she, she puts it in quite often about things that I should be doing. And a lot of my shoulds come from her, you know, trying to be a good mother trying to be helpful trying to encourage me but it does not help it she uses the shoulda like you know you if you work for me you know like you would have made this you should look for a new job you should be working in a field where you make six figures and more like the people who work for me and herself like she's looking at it from that angle and I'm like okay um and telling me that I should be you know looking for a man um as like after she told me about my friend Jamoki's wedding and she was like oh I see you took all these pictures with um, a bunch of guys you're the only girl in these pictures and I'm like yeah well he only invited like two of his female friends that were there so like it was either me or the other girl in there and she just I don't know where she was in those pictures and I I make it a point to be in pictures <laughs> especially when it's an all-male picture I'm like yo I'm here too like I'm not being excluded but um that's that male energy in me <laughs> it's that masculine energy in me uh but um She's like, you should not be taking so many pictures with with men. If you if you if you took less pictures with men, you would maybe maybe you would find somebody. You should you should be taking less pictures with men and should be looking for a man. I'm like, okay, lady, that is um, crazy, and and I'm just gonna look at you blankly and walk away and say thank you for your comments and walk away. That's what I learned from therapy. <laughs> Um, you also get it from society. Society has all these standards. And I talked about it in the age, you know, the um, the podcast about figuring out how to uh, about getting older, you know, talking about the double standards of aging for men and women. There's certain expectations that they have for you when you're a woman that you should be married by the time you're 30. You should have kids, you know, before 35, because after that, it's a geriatric pregnancy and everyone else is going to be, you know, boot up and you're going to be an old hag that lives with cats. And I can't live with cats because I'm allergic to them. So. Um, that wouldn't be me. I'll just be alone, according to society. 
um, and that you should be, you know, working towards marriage in general and making babies. And, you know, that is very much tied to like what they think is appropriate. This is societal ideas about age and gender, and it changes from culture to culture. But I talked about that. That comes from society. It also comes from my imagination. I like that in the article that the, <laughs> the writer talks about the daydreams that you have that influence your shouldology. And I'm like, yeah. She was talking about how, you know, you know, when she was in high school, she had like ideas about getting married. Like I should be married by the time I'm 25. And she, you know, has all these imaginations of what your, what the wedding would be like and what the children would look like. They should look like this. They should, I should be, you know, this and this and that. And I was like, yeah, girl, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I've had, I've had, um, wedding daydreams with like, uh, starring several different men that have been in my life. Like people that I was crushing on, people I was involved with, people that I was like in love with. <laughs> like, oh, like, we, you know, this is what our, our, our wedding should look like. Like you're daydreaming. Like, you know, we're going to dance to For the Love of You by the Isley Brothers. And <laughs> we're going to be barefoot on the beach. We're going to have like doves release. We're going to, you know, have like three children and, all this other stuff. And that adds into the should ology because you're taking these daydreams and putting them into a narrative of what your life should look like, what you want your life to look like. And then you start putting it in the shoulds. Like it should look like this. Um, but I like that she mentioned that, you know, when you start thinking in that way, you never think about the after. Like, so you get married. We should get married by this point, but you never, um, most people don't think about what comes after. Like what should our marriage look like? What should our everyday and, in, in, you know, interactions be like should I kiss my husband every single day um, that we're married should we never go to bed angry should we you know discuss having children at this point should we you know think about where we want to retire like all these things that, sh- that are part of a relationship and part of life that when you have these daydreams you don't really put those details in you just go for the big events and the image and then after that it's like well you didn't really think about that which um, I think plays a a large part when you have people that focus a lot on the weddings and don't focus on the marriage after like they'll spend all of their money like feeding and feeding people and having like having them eat and drink on their heads and come dance to music that they're paying they're paying for and they'll spend fifty thousand dollars that they don't have to have this elaborate wedding and then they have no money for the future they have no money to buy a house which Um, may be a part of their plan when they start looking around like oh we should buy a house because we're married and then you realize that you you should have spent fifty dollars fifty thousand dollars on a wedding because you don't have any money you're in debt now and can't get a house and you're living in an apartment or living with your parents after this marriage after you get this wedding this big party like what is your marriage what is your marriage going to be like after this wedding um because i feel like a lot of people have this it comes from the shitology of like this is what it should look like but then they never think about the after parts like they they focus so much on on the big event that everyone is um, privy to but they don't think about the after the after effects and um, I think shitology plays a good part of this mentality of focusing on the big events and not on the little events because it's the little things that make up a relationship it's the little things that that will culminate into a successful completed project um and you know it's it's hard to think about that when we are very much you know taking things from our daydreams and I think another place that um especially for the the time that we live in I think social media I know for me 
plays a huge role in this shitology that um, that has developed, at least in my life and in other people's lives, and particularly the hashtag goals culture. So, you know, when they have that hashtag relationship goals, hashtag career goals, hashtag home goals, hashtag body goals, and all those things are based off of somebody else. And, and you don't know what the reality is. So you put hashtag relationship goals. This is one I hate. So I'm just going to put this out there. Um, they put hashtag relationship goals for Gabrielle Union and Dwayne. Dwayne, you know, because the, the way his name is spelled. Mm, it's not spelled like Dwayne. 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 Wade. <laughs> um, and people, you know, because of the pictures of them smiling together on the beach. Um, especially before he retired. So smiling together on the beach, they're, you know, this beautiful black chocolate couple and they're traveling together and, you know, they put up all these lovey dovey pictures of them staring at each other and having fun and, you know, goofing around and people were like, Oh, these are my hashtag relationship goals. And I'm like, are you serious? You don't want their relationship. He cheated on her. He had a whole baby on her and then try to say they were on a break and they weren't on a break and then pacified her with a ring and, and married her and then promised not to do it again. And then when you look around you never see that child anywhere which means that he's going to have some serious problems with this child who feels excluded because he has tons of pictures of the new baby that he's that he had with Gabrielle but where is the son that came before this child is he being invited to the family trips or is he just you know by legal reasons not allowed to be you know you know taken a picture of and posted on Instagram even though if you go to his mother's Instagram and don't ask me what it is because it takes a lot of digging to find her. But if you look for his mother's Instagram, you see him all over it. So it's not like she's not allowed to post pictures of him, but it seems like he doesn't post pictures of that child at all. Trust me. Look, I've looked. That's, you know, that's what happens with social media. You become a social media detective and you go all through the rabbit hole and, you know, put, you know, two and two together. But um, I was like, I don't want relationship goals on that. And even when you have good relationships, seemingly good, healthy relationships like Sierra and, um, and Russell Wilson, which, you know, hashtag I love, I would say they're, you know, aspire their, their relationship inspiration, not goals, because I don't want their relationship because saying relationship goals means that you want to follow like the step-by-step, you know, process that it took to get to where their relationship is. And I don't want to follow in that footsteps because it wouldn't work for me I know that from what they publicly told us let's think about it uh Sierra had a was engaged to future that fuck boy had a baby by him he was gone by the time she gave birth to that baby and you know a few months after healing from that that embarrassing breakup and just being duped by this fucking fuck boy because what he is fuck boy and a baby daddy um she met Russell Wilson through a mutual friend who said, like, I think that you two would would work well together. And um, she came into the relationship with a child. He came in uh, with a divorce. I don't know how newly divorced he was, but he was married to his, uh, I think, high school or college sweetheart before he met Sierra. So they're both coming in with what I would consider baggage. I'm not trying to come in with that kind of baggage. And first of all, I can't have relationship goals um, when I don't come in with what you know, what it, they're both coming in with. So I can't say, you know, their relationship goals when I'm not Sierra. I'm, I was not previously engaged publicly and I did not have a baby with somebody. I don't have any kids. So I'm not coming in with that. And then, you know, they very much put, you know, the church, whatever church that they go to. I don't, I, I know they're not Catholic and I'm Catholic. So that doesn't fit. <laughs> they put the church first into their relationship and was celibate for their entire relationship until they got married. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I can do it, but I don't want to. If we're in a relationship and it's leading to marriage, I'm going to have to check out what that thing do. 
I'm just saying. I'm gonna have to see what that thing do. I don't I don't want just a gray dick print. I want to see what that thing do. Cause if that thing don't work, we won't work. I'm telling you right now. Right now. So that puts it right there. Like it's beautiful and as loving as their relationship looks. And he treats her very well. That works for her. That is her goals. I'm inspired by her perseverance. Um, after such a messy breakup to continue to look for love because that's what my problem is is that I get into like I start dating somebody it doesn't work out it's shitty and I just like take a break a longer break than I should and when I really okay here my using should I take a longer break that then is necessary I take a long break like I'm on break right now and the last date I went on was in like I don't even know when did Detective Pikachu come out I was still working let's say this is April yes Let's say my last date was April or May. Come on. And I've been on a quote unquote break, but then I'm also like looking, but not actively looking because like I I tend to just kind of shut down and try to reevaluate and take a break. Like, oh my gosh, man, like men energy. Ugh, that was awful. Let me come back and, you know, build up myself and build up my, my, my space and then, then be ready to open up. But it's, it doesn't work that way. So I really am inspired by her perseverance and her openness about you know her relationship issues but I don't want their relationship you should never want somebody else's relationship because you cannot follow those steps you cannot follow those tasks you cannot check off the boxes of what they've they've done to get to where their relationship is or what you think their relationship is and that is very much I think you know tied to the hashtag goals culture that we have going on another one would be like the body goals I said I feel like I should be 50 pounds lighter but where am I getting this from some of it is from my doctor but my doctor did not tell me to lose 50 pounds I'll tell you that right now my doctor did not tell me to lose 50 pounds she said you should lose weight you should continue continue to be active but overall you're healthy and so the 50 pounds is me I brought that in from somewhere else, from looking at people, from looking at the hashtag body goals. And you have people sitting there trying to sell you a flat tummy tea and saying like, oh, look at this person. But the people you're looking at, um, except for the ones that are in the gym consistently, and even that is a privilege to be able to be in the gym consistently, to be able to have the um, the motivation and the focus to have such a strict diet. Uh, but then again, if you are someone who is a fitness trainer or a fitness model, like this is a part of your job. So you you have a completely different investment in that type of hashtag, quote unquote, hashtag body goals than I would where I just want to, you know, be a certain size or go back to a certain size or, or you know, where be a certain, um, you know, be able to look a certain way as opposed to these people who definitely worked for it, but they're working for it for a different reason than I'm working for it. Or if you think about like, for example, do I want to talk about her? Uh, so you can talk about someone like an Evelyn Lozada, right? From Basketball Wives, where people are like, oh my gosh, she's so tiny, blah, 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 blah. You know, she work out, blah, blah, blah. But I don't want her body goals either because you don't know how she got that shit. Like, yes, I, I do believe she works out, but then she also, she also will sit there and try to sell you flat tummy tea, her and Angela Simmons. And it's like, okay, but do you work out or do you use flat tummy tea, which very much has like elements that would make you poop? quite often that's how they make you lose weight they rev your metabolism and you'll get the same thing from drinking like you know five cups of black tea a day which is not recommended you would rev up your 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 metabolism a lot and then you would start pooping all day long just expelling waste and you'll be losing water weight and the waste out of your bowels and stuff but it's not something that you can you can uh continue 
you know, it's not something that you can sustain. But then again, again, so like, and, and you also don't know, like in these two cases, I do believe that they work out, but I don't think they use flat tummy tea. Um, or you have cases like the Kardashians are people are like, oh, look at them. But it's like, you know that they go to the surgeon. You know, they go to the surgeon. So like you can't use them as hashtag body goals and say, I should look like this. You know, they're the same age as me or they had a baby like I did or they, you know, you know, have a busy day. But I, you know, somehow they're able to do this and I can't do it. You shouldn't have that. You you cannot have that should mentality. It really has to be focused on something else. Um, And the reason why I think this is important to talk about is because of the things that it leads to. So when you have. When you have um, this should mentality, when you engage in shouldology, the things that it can lead to is one self-pity. You start feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, my gosh. Like, like I said, like I felt so bloated on Saturday. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a fatty. Like, why did I do this? Oh, my goodness. Like, you're, you, you are someone who you can't seem to stick to a plan. Like, why? Like, you know, you're so, you know, lazy. You're like, you start feeling bad for yourself like oh this is why you don't got a man because you because you big girl look at you da 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 um and which also leads to horrible self-talk so like I said like uh have things like oh I'm horrible oh my gosh like I ate like a pig oh my gosh I'm so I'm so picky I'm so greedy which some of that comes from my mother who will say that stuff to me and then you internalize it um so again as much as I I know she does it out of love I know my mom loves me although I feel sometimes she doesn't like me um and I take some of those comments. I was like, she don't like me. Like, can you say something nice to me? Uh, but um, she does let me live in her house for free. So I guess <laughs> I can't complain that much. But, uh, you know, you have this horrible self-talk. Like, if I don't do something, I was like, oh, my gosh, I should have gone to that party. I should have, you know, sent a card. I should have called that person and apologized to them. I should have, you know, should have, would have, should have, should have, should have. And then I feel horrible. So I'm such, I'm such a horrible person. I'm a horrible friend. I'm a horrible this. And that comes from a lot of like expectations that are not real. This should starts taking over. And so that's what I'm saying. It can lead to some really uh, detrimental things like self-pity, horrible self-talk, um, and self-image and the worst. And, and I was, um, victim to this is depression. It can turn into depression because you are not where you thought you should be based off of your childhood or adolescent or adult daydreams where you think you should be because that person is there. I should be married and have, you know, two or three kids by now because I have several friends who went to high school with me or college with me who are also there. I should be a, you know, a tenure track or tenured professor because the people I was in graduate school were there. I should have, you know, graduated from, from graduate school in five to six years instead of 10 years. Well, nine years, nine to 10 years. Uh, like I did because, you know, that is what most people do. And I would be further along. I should be further along if I had if if I had done that. Um, you know, it's a lot of those things that, you know, will compile on you and get you to a point where you you feel so down and so hopeless, like you're not focusing on the things that you have done. And I know for me, that's what a lot of it was like a lot of it. Um, I told you in the graduate school and mental health um, episode, like, you know, thinking about, you know, I should be done within six years because that was my plan before I got into graduate school. Like, again, before I got into graduate school, um, but didn't know how I was going to get there or I got into it and realized that things took longer than they than um, than I expected. But I still got them done. But it was a lot of like feeling pressure and and shame 
about, you know, I should be done because that is what I, you know, I, the expectations that I held for myself or that I think that other people hold for me, uh, which just leads you down a hard rabbit hole. I mean, I had to go to therapy to deal with my mommy issues and my, my fear of failure, which comes from stemming from wanting not to fail my mother who was an immigrant. And I'm like, she did all this stuff for me and she was a single mother and she did, she did all the sacrifices and I should be able to, you know, be able to pay her bill or, you know, pay off her house or pay off a credit card or this, this and that. And instead I'm living in her house and I don't have a job and I don't have benefits and, um, you know, it's like all these things on top of, you know, having the, well, you should be making more money than people that don't have a PhD. It's like all these things compiled together. You can't be surprised when you end up depressed or anxious or have any kind of these mental health issues because we let a lot of the outside and even our inside be affected by, you know, the shitology of society, the shitology of our culture. And we really need to get past that. And one of the ways that I would suggest to do that what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And I'm not saying I have this all figured out, but like definitely talking to you guys has helped me because I felt so like crappy yesterday. Like, oh my gosh, I should have posted my podcast on Mondays. Like I told people that it would come out on, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, not consistent. Like I should be. Look at that. And I was just feeling shitty because of the shoulds. I was being weighed down by the shoulds. I was stuck in shouldism. <laughs> which kind of feels like shittyism, but you know, uh, but then I started thinking about like, this is a perfect topic to talk about one, because everyone goes through this and two, it, it, I can't, I cannot kick myself down because I'm not going to move forward. Focusing on the should is not going to allow me to move forward. And so that's where I'm coming with the, what to do. We have to be honest very honest about our self-reflection. Um, and I get this surprisingly. So the universe likes to, I, I believe the universe definitely works in mysterious ways and sometimes likes to guide you places. You just have to pay attention. So I have a passion planner. That's how I deal with my life. Sometimes I don't, I don't follow it as well as I should. Uh, there you go again. I don't follow it as expected or as I intend to, but it's always there for me because I like to be able to know things I need to get done for the week, uh, things that I would like to get done for the week, things that I have done in the week that I've accomplished. And that's what I love about the passion planner because it has sections. Sorry, that was me burping. <laughs> they have sections on like, you know, what's this week's focus, good things that happened to you this week. So you can focus on the good things. And I love that when I looked over, right. And looked at my passion planner for this week. So I was going to start filling it out. Um, even though it's Tuesday. So you look at that. Uh, and I look at it and it has a proverb for this week. So the proverb for this week, they always have a quote. And so they have a Chinese proverb that says, be not afraid of growing slowly. Be, be afraid of standing still. Meaning like, don't be afraid that you're moving slower than expectations, that you're not getting there when you quote unquote should, or when you think you should, um, you should be focusing on not standing still. You should be afraid of not progressing. You should be afraid of not growing. And from they usually give you like a personal um, development like goal for the week that's tied to the to the quote. And for this one, it says this week, reflect on what you've learned and how you've grown at the end of each day. Frequently practicing self-reflection boosts productivity. So if it's about productivity, so I should be married, I should have a better job, I should do this. Well, instead of focusing on that, you 
you still remember it as like, this is my goal, but what have I done today? Or how can I get closer to that so that I can say, I have done this and I'm working towards this. So instead of feeling bad about not posting my podcast on Monday, like it's supposed to drop, I'm like, well, it happens. All, even the even the top podcasts change up their schedules. Like the read now, uh, instead of uh, posting on Thursdays, they're now posting on Tuesdays because of their new schedule. And some people, I, I follow them on, on Twitter, already asked them, oh, what we have a you putting out episodes early now what happened and it's like no they said that they were moving to Tuesdays they said it but because someone had these expectations like they should do this um you know they, they were caught up in it and it was like that's so interesting because they moved it for what worked for them it still came out you still get your content maybe it wasn't as expected for some people who didn't pay attention but it's there and as some of the quotes, you know, some of the, the sayings say, like, you know, it's better, uh, I, like I like to say, better better late than never. If you ever, if you watch um, Real Housewives of Atlanta, I'm about to give you a rendition of Riley Burris's hit song. Better late than never, that's what they say. I'm not making fun of the 16 year old, but definitely, I mean, it's, it works. I mean, hers was in terms of like her relationship with her father, but it, I mean, that could be a theme song. And if you can't tell, I'm, I'm singing through my teeth because she's a tight deep talker. Shout out to it's rocks (laughs) or it's rocks on YouTube. She calls, she calls candy and her, and her daughter and her mother tight teeth talkers because they, they talk through their teeth. (laughs) That's the best way to do a candy or miss oh mama Joyce. But you know, I love that this um going back to the quotes, I love and the and the passion planner suggestion. I love that it says like focus on what have you done? And I'm not talking about in the like, you know, how people like to say, Well, I'm I'm grateful that I'm alive. And it's like, duh, if you were dead, you wouldn't be able to make that reflection. So let's move past that. Um You know, so in terms of the things that I let's go back to the things that I said I should should, you know, have in my life. So uh, let's go back to that and try to, you know, reverse engine, reverse engineer that into something positive that will build me up and push me forward and keep me productive and keep me moving towards my goals instead of stuck in self-pity and self-hate. And so I said I should let's see, I should have a higher paying job. Well. Right now, I am thankful that I decided to leave a toxic work condition because I wasn't going to be making um, any more money in the foreseeable future if I stayed in that space because I stayed there for six years and things did not change. did not change within those six years. And despite my six years there, I wasn't offered things that I wanted and made clear that I wanted. And so I am thankful and I I understand that deciding to leave a toxic work situation was good for me. And that it is the step towards me getting the career um, that fits me and that will benefit me both financially and spiritually and professionally. The other one I had was I should be in a loving romantic relationship right now. Well, 
I am open to relationships, I also realize that things happen when they're supposed to happen and that I am working towards meeting somebody that would bring love and happiness and wealth and health (laughs) um, and everything that I would want that would fit me that I'm working towards that and I'm working towards that by one being aware of who I am two not rushing and being pressured by other people telling me that you know you're single you're single you shouldn't be single no I'm single because I choose to be single I and I'll talk about this in probably next episode I am celibate because and going on almost two years because I choose not to engage in random sexual acts with people that don't deserve my um, my to be privy to my body and my uh, sexual talents. <laughs> um, and I am open to it. I recognize that I need to be more proactive with the tools that I have, including the online apps that I have on my phone that I see the notifications I see them I go in sometimes but I I need to if I want to meet somebody and start dating actively I need to be as active on there as I am as I am with other things that I'm working on including this podcast that um yeah I think that's good I think that was a lot like that that was all good stuff like yeah you can still do it you have events you're going to you're going to the Howard versus Harvard game you might meet yourself a sexy ass freaking Howard grad or you might meet yourself a sexy ass Harvard grad (laughs) either way you're putting yourself out there you're being active you're being social you're not living in a box you're not alone you're not you're not lonely um and you are your life is still full even without a current romantic relationship and that nothing is ever too late the things that you want will come when they come and you can take pride in one that no one is cheating on you two no one is cheating on you and three no one is shitting and breaking your heart there's no i don't have no drama in my life shout out to mary because there's no more drama in my life uh uh, uh, no more drama. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it pumping in this dancery, okay? <laughs> Number three, let me continue this. You should be 50 pounds lighter. Well, you are working towards it and you recognize that some of your eating habits aren't that great, but you have the tools, you have the time, you have the motivation, you know what you have to do. And there are certain things that you do that definitely keep you on the healthy track. You should be grateful that one, that you have the good genes of your daddy, that you don't have cholesterol issues. You don't have sugar issues. You don't have diabetes issues. You don't have, um, you don't have a, a, a chronic disease. These are all things I am very, um, thankful that I do not have, that I do not have to worry about. I don't have sciatica like my mom has right now. Like I can get up out of bed. I can jump up out of bed. No problem. She cannot currently. And that is something that she has to work on. But again, things that I'm thankful for, you have lost weight. You did not gain as much weight from going to Memphis as you thought. You weighed yourself and you weren't in the bad zone. The pounds that you lost um, from when you did the first green 10, 10 day green smoothie cleanse are still off. You just 
need to get out of this rut and you can get there by working on it. Look at that. These are all good things. And you've done it before. You know you can do this. And you're beautiful the way you are. And you look fabulous on Instagram. And, um, you know, big, small, chubby, short, you know, as my grandmother told me again, oh, you're getting bigger. I was like, <laughs> I didn't answer. I didn't take it personally. I didn't cry in my car. I didn't curse out this lady in my head. I just said, well, that's my grandmother. And that's the things that she says. And she doesn't realize that she is not saying something nice again like I personally just don't say things to people unless I really need them and I I think she might be of the generation of like you should just say something to someone uh as like you know what you think is a compliment (laughs) because she didn't mention it again when we got in the car so obviously it was just like let me think of something to say it would have been like oh your hair is pretty (laughs) it could have been but my hair wasn't pretty so um or if I had nice shoes on she probably would say oh you have nice pretty shoes again noticing that and taking that in. But these are the things I think you guys should practice. If you're in it, no, should practice. These are the things I suggest you practice. These are the things I think that would be helpful. What we can do, what, what can help us get out of this shitology, uh, cure ourselves of our shouldisms, uh, and completely put this shitology to the back. Like we need to get out of the, the science of shitology, get out of the psychology of shitology. It is a psychology. It is a mindset. We need to get out of the psychology, shitology and, Honest reflection is one of them and also focusing on your accomplishments is another. So one, reflect and two, focus on your accomplishments and realize that you have done a lot of things. The fact that you're you're still here and you're listening and you are interested in figuring out your life with me, your your girlfriend with the PhD, your sis that help you, you know, sift through all the mess, your girlfriend there for through thick and thin, uh, the fact that you're you know, interested in in understanding how to uh, deal with shitology, how to move past it and um, move towards accomplishing your goals. That's a step in the right direction. So pat yourself on the back, give yourself a round of applause. And if you are someone like my daddy, go ahead and kiss your forearms (laughs) like you are a champion and, um, you know, say that I I have accomplished something today. So go ahead and I'm going to give you homework. Look at me giving homework go ahead today like today after you finish listening to this where whatever time you're listening to this write down at least three things because three is my favorite number so let's go with three write down at least three things that you have accomplished today things that you're proud of things that you accomplished today to help balance out the shouldas and with that i am done with this section now okay let's get to this figure this out section and I think that this might be a permanent section so instead of let me get this off my chest which doesn't really fit it's like really long but it's the same thing so I can I feel like this section will be where I can kind of rant or just ask questions that I definitely don't have the answers to and I did not look up or try to research and so let's see if we can figure this out together but it's just like random rants and 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 ramblings and thoughts so figure this out we why let's figure this out why do natural deodorants break out your underarm skin i'd like to know this i had a full conversation with uh again with my bestie um ayusha court about this so we both have joined the natural deodorant um train and she i saw that she was using native native deodorant if you've never heard of it you should check it out if you're thinking about going natural i'm not going to um diminish any of the natural brands because again 
as if you as you do your research into it, like everyone's chemistry, body chemistry is differently. Everyone reacts to the natural deodorants differently. Some people sweat more than others. I sweat a lot. So I tried native. It didn't work for me. But then she also was like, she's carrying around this native deodorant and putting it on every time she feels sweaty. And I was like, damn, that's so inconvenient. And I I'm currently using Piper Way and it is a paste. It's a charcoal um, charcoal infused paste that I like rub underneath my underarms, but I found, we both found that we have discoloration underneath our underarms. Uh, and my mother has noticed it several times. She's like, oh my gosh, what is that? Is that your eczema or is that a rash? And I'm like, I think it's a combination of both, but it can't necessarily be because even people I know that don't have eczema also have a weird breakout to natural deodorants. And some of them will say that it's, you know, your body detoxifying from the, you know, the unnatural deodorants. Uh, but it, what's funny is that with the unnatural deodorants, even when you like sometimes when I break down and use it, it's like, OK, I'm going to this wedding or I'm going to this thing and I cannot be funky. So let me just pull out the secret. <laughs> OK, let me pull out the dove. Um, when I switch over just like for one day or whatever for an event and use like a regular deodorant, I don't break out after I don't have like weird dark circles around my underarm. I'm not itching my arm, my underarms at night, which is what happens. And then I have like a rash. I think I have a rash right now I mean it's TMI but like literally if you saw me if I put my arms up you'd see like my underarms are way darker particularly the parts right above my armpits than like the rest of my arm and it's just like why does that happen if it's supposed to be natural like you're supposed to be like some of these things have ingredients that you can fully read out has like no preservatives nothing like they have a shelf life like a real shelf life um, because everything is natural and that's the whole point it's either charcoal it's either coconut oil it's either um I don't I forgot all the other things that people can put into these natural deodorants and you can even make them yourself. But why do they make you break out? That's all I want to know. It's supposed to be natural. I thought it was supposed to be better for you. I feel like I am my body's under attack. Like I'm trying to avoid possibly, you know, getting cancer because of the, you know, the aluminum that they put in the uh, deodorants that they say that could lead to to breast cancer and other forms of cancer if you use too much of it like it clogs up your pores you're not sweating the way you're supposed to I mean that's what the aluminum does that's why they you know, will see things that say aluminum free because they're using the aluminum to you know clog up your sweat your sweat pores um your sweat glands but like when I clog up my sweat glands I I don't break out and why is it when I unclog my sweat glands and use other things that I'm freaking breaking out and have rashes which make me feel worse than when I was using the quote-unquote cancer possibly causing freaking unnatural deodorants let me know if you figure this out let me know I feel like I'm putting in way too much work to be natural <laughs> or as natural as I can be with my deodorants and other things and I feel like they're just like super inconvenient like why is it so inconvenient to be natural like what why is it so inconvenient I'm like itching now gosh like itching now but like gosh like I'm taking an itch break because now I'm thinking about it I'm itching now and I don't understand like it's just just really annoying like please if you know something if you know a deodorant that says that it does not cause aller like allergic reactions like let me know because I'm trying them all like right now I'm I'm still with my Piper Way because I have like two like I have a, a bottle and I have two more of it left and I might move on to see if something else works. Uh, but this rash thing is just like, uh, and not a contagious rash of people, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like you get like, you're, I'm, I get, I've gotten a rash because I'm itching those areas or they're irritated. And um, 
I have to like put on like hydrocortisone or like, you know, solves on my armpits. And I'm like, I'm wondering if that is a part of the process. Like you got to do that ahead of time. And I saw from Piper Way, just to add on to that, I saw on Piper Way that they have a, a deodorant oil or underarm oil, which is supposed to help you prepare to go natural. Like you're supposed to put it in the area to avoid the bumps and the rashes and the irritation. And I was like, why the fuck didn't you put like, why didn't you tell me that? Like, why is no one telling us that you got to prep your arms? You got to prep yourself to go natural. Like, let me know. Like, is it like, come on, where where are the tutorials? Where is it? I guess it's me. I guess I have to go and do the research. That's what I said I was going to do, right? That's why I said I was going to be your friend and, you know, we'll go and do the research so you don't have to. I guess I'm going to have to go do it. So I might have to go and buy that underarm oil. You know what? I am going to buy that underarm oil. I'm going to let you know how that works out. Uh, because this don't make no fucking sense. I just, I just want to be as healthy as I can be. Okay. As healthy as I can be, but I don't want to have like embarrassing rashes or uncomfortable irritation because I decided to put on some deodorant that doesn't have fucking aluminum in it that is supposed to be possibly causing cancer that I don't want to get because sometimes I feel like the, the the possibility of cancer is a lot more comfortable than this damn natural shit yeah I said I fucking said it I don't mean to be insensitive okay but I'm just saying like they, they're making it very very like attractive to go back to like something that they say could possibly cause something life ending um, but it doesn't cause irritation just saying okay so with that I'm done I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, if you enjoyed Figure Out Your Life podcast with Toya T, me, then please share it with your friends. Subscribe. Wherever you listen to this, subscribe to the podcast so that when I'm inconsistent, which I'm trying not to be, that's my goal, remember, for this month, to not be inconsistent, that when I am being inconsistent, that you catch the podcast when it drops. So if I drop it on Monday, like, I'm supposed to be like I'm supposed to be um and if I drop it on Tuesday because I just couldn't get myself to do it on the, on the Monday or before you'll get the information when you get it that you'll be connected in because I'll come to you every week okay I'm coming to you every week that is a promise that I am keeping share with your friends share with everybody that you think is suffering from shitology that needs to be helped with your shitology anybody that you think could benefit from a talk with Toya T. <laughs> Anybody. So share with them, subscribe, and also, of course, please help me get to my first 50 reviews on iTunes. You can review me on the other platforms too, but I really appreciate it. I see that some of y'all did go ahead and review me. I really, really appreciate it. Remember, I'm working towards a goal of being recognized by Apple Podcasts. I want to be featured on their page. I want to be able to reach more people. So please help me out again. Uh, rate, rate me on iTunes. Rate and review. Leave a little review. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. If you think that you have any suggestions for me, you can go ahead and go into the show notes, and there is all the information on how to contact me. And you can also find me on Facebook. The group name is Figure Out Your Life, so you can find me that way. Join the tribe. I'm going to be growing this tribe. I'm taking it one day at a time accepting each accomplishment and I'm very thankful I'm going to take into the accomplishments even though I can I'm sometimes inconsistent I had 313 downloads of this podcast in the month of September 2019 thank you very much that came from hard work and with that I hope you guys have a blessed day afternoon 
evening, whatever time you're listening to this, I just want you to be figuring out your lives. Be blessed, be happy, be healthy. And I'll talk to you guys next week. All right, bye.